Hey guys, it's Connor McDavid here, and you're listening to Brad Navy Hour. Hey, what's going on? This is Master T coming your way. And is there an hour you need to lock into? Yes, it's the Brad and Navy Hour, the only hour you need to lock into. Good evening, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of the Brad and Avery Hour live here at the birthday destination, Howie's uh, Club, I guess, and dinner, uh, I guess, dinner service as well. Uh, here at West Edmonton Mall next to Match and Star White Casino. Thank you to those guys for always allowing us to host this Great show. Um, again, you shout out Shaq, Raymar, Dave, all those guys that make this possible week in and week out. Thank you, guys. I am Brad Barco. This is Avery Lewis McDougal in his very uh, classy but sleek looking jean jacket. I like it. And fedora. Thank you, sir. It's rocking. Fantastic. Nothing wrong with that. Rocking a little denim on denim. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, we're going to open with uh, kind of something a little good, obviously, but bitter at the same time, uh, being the AL East. Um, <laughs> the Boston Red Sox have won their fourth title in the last... Um, 15 know, years. In the last 15 years. And what a town that is. The New England Patriots have won multiple titles. The, the Bruins have won one. The Red Sox have won multiple titles. The Celtics have won a title. You talk about city of champions? My word. That is a championship city. Um, to my to my demise, I wanted the Dodgers to win because um, the Red Sox are in the Blue Jays division, obviously. Um, but a huge congrats to them. Congrats to David, uh, David Price. Congrats to Steve Pierce. Mm-hmm. The couple of former Blue Jays uh, on, on now the Red Sox. Steve Pierce, obviously the MVP of the World Series as well. What a story. Drafted 241st overall by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm-hmm. Played for seven teams throughout his career. Gets a chance. Gets an opportunity. Started the year in Toronto. Traded for a prospect to Boston. Really a throwaway trade. And he becomes the... All the World Series MVP. What a what a ending for Steve Pierce. Of course, and it's funny because too he, when he was traded to Boston, he didn't want to leave Toronto. He really didn't want to leave. And Ross Atkins, the GM of the Blue Jays, told him go in a World Series. And some three months later, look what happened for Steve Pierce. Yeah, <laughs> incredible story. Um, you know that man deserves a raise wherever he goes. If he stays in Toronto or Boston, or if he goes somewhere else. Um, and David Price uh, slayed his demons. Yes, he did. In his playoffs. Yeah, this is the guy coming into postseason. He was 0-9 in the playoffs. And, you know, he pitched a marvelous postseason for the Boston Rex. So you got to give him credit. That that beast has been slayed. The joke about, oh, Price can't win the postseason. That's been put to bed now. Yeah, I expect. And, and then, obviously, the clinching World Series game. Uh, Chris, can you imagine Chris Sale coming out of bullpen mm. to close out the World Series? Uh just an incredible year for Boston, an historic year. A one of the best Red Sox teams, if not the best Red Sox team in Red Sox history. 119 wins, including the World Series. Absolutely incredible. And again, congratulations to them. And, uh, and of course, the personal tie with myself, um, I guess, Avery Sports Show, Joe Kelly. 
I mean, if, you, if people watch your sports, they recall Joe Kelly when he was rookie. He was on my show when he was in St. Louis. I know his family pretty well. I know his trainer. I know his younger brother, Nolan, pretty well. I hung out with them in California. So to Joe, congrats, buddy. Congrats on the World Series win. It's a long time for your days with the Cardinals. So big stuff for to see him. And he was throwing gas in eighth inning. He was just throwing some major heat. Yeah, you know, setup, man, it's, good, it's good to see Joe uh, bounce back. And mm-hmm. he had, a, he had a, a slow start. He had a slow year. Um, last year wasn't very good to him either. Mm-hmm. And then he really, you know, the the best of the best comes out, it seems, in the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, they they went and uh, kicked some butt and obviously won a World Series. So congrats to Joe Kelly, David Price, Steve Pierce, and, of course, the rest of the Boston Red Sox. And hopefully the Blue Jays can be there in the next few years with their bright future ahead of them. Um, one quick note, too. Speaking of the Blue Jays, a new manager... I uh, will now grace the uh, the dugout for mm. the Blue Jays. Yeah, Charlie Montoya was named the 14th manager in Blue Jays history and the second Hispanic manager after Carlos Tosca was manager for mm. a couple of years in the early 2000s. You know what? I like this. You know, he's been around baseball for quite some time. He played the Expos in the 80s briefly, but he has a very long history as a coach, as a manager for the Durham Bulls. He won right. the International League Manager of the Year twice. Win- winning coach, yeah. Yeah, he knows how to win in baseball. You know what? And he, and he likes younger players. He knows how to win with young talent. It's a positive sign. I like this move a lot for the Blue Jays as a new manager. Well, you you got to think. It's, it's almost perfect timing for the Blue Jays. Bringing in a new manager, having Belag uh, Grove Jr., Come in now and then play third base. That's what I presume happening this year. Bo Bichette on the doorstep. Obviously, Biggio, uh, Kelvin Biggio there. Mm. Um, you know, and, and so many, so much young talent. Richard Urania, and uh, just to name a few. Uh, Sean Reed Foley, you know, Danny Jensen. Danny Jensen, yeah, he's still there. Um, you know, it's going to be, a, I think, a, a tremendous few years for the Jays. And, you know, funny story. Montoyo actually when when they brought him to Montreal mm. they brought him to mentor a young Vladimir Guerrero senior I don't know if you remember that that's correct um, yeah that was um, that was his last year playing pro in the minor leagues he played last year right. during Vlad's first year in the expo system yeah that's right and uh, Jeff Blair was one to talk about that the guy that blocks me on Twitter <laughs> I wonder why Jeff Blair blocked know. you. I wonder you know why someone blocked you, Brad. I don't know. You know what? I had, <laughs> I had no contact at all with Jeff Blair. And one time I go to get him on my show, and he says, Jeff Blair has you blocked. And I'm like, but I didn't do anything. He probably was scrolling through one day and said, Brad Barco, screw that kid. Block. May- hey, maybe it was just a luck of the draw one day. He's blocking people and decided to block me. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but Jeff Blair... Nothing but respect, man. You do some great work. Unblock me sometime and we'll chat. Unblock you. Um, But, uh, yeah, really bright future for the Jays. I'm looking forward to uh, the offseason. Some big names out there. Bryce Harper, of course, uh, number one. Um, And it's going to be an interesting year, and we'll we'll see what happens. You know, you mentioned Bryce Harper, and it's funny because the Blue Jays are a team owned by Rodgers. If they really wanted to, they could go and get a Bryce Harper. Look you at the money up, that Rodgers makes. You, you back up the Brinks truck and absolutely. I mean, they won't do it, but. Now, <laughs> will Toronto pony up $400, $500 million for Bryce Harper? Because that is the ballpark numbers we're hearing for number 34, 
for the Washington Nationals. Will he stay in Washington? I don't see it. I, I, um, I You know what I see him? And, and this makes me cringe. I'll give you three teams where he ends up. The LA Dodgers, hmm? the Boston Red Sox, or the New York Yankees. And I'll give you three teams too as well, Brad. Where he ends up. Go ahead. One, New York Yankees. Two, New York Yankees. Three, New York Yankees. That's that reason. One, but yeah. yes. I think the only real option, I think, I think the only team that really goes in and says, Bryce, what do you want? 500 million, a billion, a trillion is Yankees. See, I cannot fathom, and welcome, Tony. We see you on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Um, I appreciate it. Hope to see you at the event on Friday. By the way, you're local, so come on down to Hudson's on Bourbon Street. Um, you know, read my post on Facebook if you don't know what's going on. I'm sure you've Sure, you follow along. So I'd love to see you on Friday, man. Be uh, it'd be awesome to catch up and have a drink. Oh, and you're um, you're on TV this morning. You didn't tell people. Wow, this I, guy. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's on TV. Let's leave with that. It's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell the people. All right. If you missed it this morning, Brow is on Global News with Mike Sobel this morning to promote his pub night at Hudson's for Echoes of Hope. He was there, dressed very well. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Like, <laughs> once again, like Brad mentioned, Echoes of Hope silent auction and charity event at Hudson's on White. Come on down. Friday night, 7 p.m., West Edmonton Mall. Yeah, and you know what, guys? This is a great cause. And, uh, you know, Avery, Avery's got to see a little bit of it. But uh, my wife and I have had a uh, tremendous connection with these youth, a uh, tremendous connection with Stacey and Luke Robitaille, the LA Kings. Um, that's actually their charity. They named me the Canadian Ambassador. And, uh, you know, we, we help youth uh, all across North America go to college, uh, help with education and and everything else, and uh, it's just a great cause. And we we look forward to raising our goal on Friday night. Our goal is ten thousand dollars this year. Last year was five thousand, so we're going to double that this year. And uh, any little thing counts. So uh, come on out for sure. And also other event news. It's now official, Brad. November twenty fourth. We're throwing a party. The Brad and Avery. And you're not invited. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> great, great job. The Brad and Avery. Great Cup Extravaganza is going down at Match Pub and Eatery November 24th, 9 p.m., and it's totally free. Yes. We're going to have a special, special guest. Hey, get, if you want to bring me money, that's cool, too. No, yeah, just, just bring Brad money for no reason. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you should do that. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'll buy you drinks. <laughs> yeah, he can do that. We're going to have special guests there. We've got players, media personalities. It's going to be fantastic, man. We'll enjoy the night before the Great Cup. We'll enjoy ourselves. Yeah, you don't drink, so I'll be drinking for two of us yeah, that I, night. No, I'll be, I'll, um, I'll, I'll be dancing. I'll, I'll get up um, on the stage and I'll be able to rap. No, I won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little salt and pepper will rap. Uh, we'll rap that night. <laughs> uh, the male version. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a great event. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the entire Grey Cup festivities weekend. Mm-hmm. To be really honest with you, I've, I've never been to one. This will be my first one ever. Um, regardless if the Eskimos are in it or not, I'm going to go and enjoy myself and just enjoy some football. Go out uh, so. the Canadian Football League and uh, some great concerts and and lots of uh, food and drinks and family. Yeah. And well, we're all going to the Great Cup as exactly. a family, so it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Well, pace yourself, son. That's what I got to say about the Great Cup. Pace <laughs> yourself, cause you can you can have too much fun at the Great Cup. You can have too much fun. They saw. There's no such thing. You can never have enough fun. You trust keep me. Going. When people who couldn't hold their liquor, when I went to the Great Cups in Toronto and Ottawa, 
in the past two years, yeah, you can have too much fun if you're the wrong person. <laughs> well, if you're listening, my wife, listen up. Not too much fun. Only me. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's going to uh, go over well. Or Uncle George. Yeah, that's another one. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, let's, uh, now let's move over. We talked um, some Blue Jays and some Red Sox. and. Mm. I want to talk about the Edmonton Oilers now. We've, we've, yeah. had, uh, we've had discussions in the last couple weeks after their slow start. Now it started winning. But now we're, we're talking and we're looking at a team that behind the San Jose Sharks that's the top of the Pacific Division. Yeah. At 6-3-1 with one more game to round out the month of October. In my wildest dreams, Avery, looking at the schedule, we've talked about this week in and week out, mm-hmm. we were scared about the schedule. Absolutely. We were worried. I gave them maybe two wins, maybe three if they were lucky. The Edmonton Oilers proved us all wrong. They are 6-3-1, and one, and they are finally getting contributions outside of a guy named Connor McDavid. No, they are. You're seeing in the games, you're seeing their game, they've won their won three games in a row, and you're seeing guys scoring now beyond McDavid. You're seeing uh, Alex Chase on stepping up in the, win, in the win over Chicago, and the twin win, Zach Cassie on the scoring started. Right. And funny enough, brings the, up his trade value? No. Yeah, yeah, funny enough, <laughs> guy who wanted to, who was allowed to look for a trade, scores a goal. Funny yeah, that works yeah, out. I imagine that, yeah. <laughs> But no, but you're getting you're seeing this team getting production from beyond the first line, and right now they're they're escaping hell month, well above 500. I didn't see that coming at all. I, I don't think anybody did. Um, beating Winnipeg, beating Nashville in Nashville in the afternoon, beating New York in the afternoon, in New York in the afternoon, beating Chicago in Chicago in the afternoon, and beating, not just beating. Whooping the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Yeah, that was a stunner. The cap, yeah, and that was a game where I was blown away. And even one game they lost to Pittsburgh, they took they the Penguins to the wall. Yeah, six, uh, six five loss over time. It's better than what Calgary did the next time. <laughs> okay. and, and, so. you know, I'll take an OT loss to Penguins over a nine one thumping a day of the week. Hey. If I, if you give me a point, if you would ask me, the beginning of the year, that the Oilers would get three, three out of a possible four points from Pittsburgh and Washington, all day long, will I take it? Yeah, I would have took one point from each team. Yeah, mostly agree. I, I would, I would have took an overtime loss, and I would. It's a moral victory. I get it, and we don't like these moral victories. It's, mm-hmm. it's not time for moral victories. But you look at the schedule. I would have took a point from each team, but guess what? They did many better than that. They are shocking the world, and they are six, three, and one. And welcome to Barry Peterson. Uh, we had this conversation today. Can the Oilers maintain this pace? Cam, let me let me ask you this. Cam Talbot, in yeah. my mind, has been the best. Cam Talbot has kept the Oilers in the game. Yes. Chicago game was very snoozy. It was a, it was a, it was a slow game. It was an ugly game. Which is rare for when to play Chicago. That's very rare. But Cam Talbot st- shined. Mm-hmm. And Nashville, 
First off, Mako Koskinen. No, yeah, Congrats no. on your first NHL win in many years. Mm -hmm. um, what a bounce back. And what does that do, Avery, for a backup goaltender to go in, steal a show in Nashville on the road mm -hmm. in the afternoon against the President Trophy winning Preds? What does that do for a confidence of not only a team, but a backup goaltender? Oh, it gives you a major boost. It shows that your backup goalie can recover from what was, put it bluntly, a disastrous preseason as he's bounced back nicely. And hey, if he can keep this up and have hopefully the 15, or 20, 15 to 18 starts he might get when Talbot needs a rest, he steps up in a big way, it'll be a good sign for this team and you, goaltending the party. You know, and to me, especially at times the defense has looked you know, shaky. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Benning, we, we, we talked about Matt Benning. He struggled. Evan Bouchard, um, you know. But when you got a goaltender that's closing the door, not one goalie, but mm. both. Yeah. A closing the door, yes, it's only a small sample size, but Koskinen, Talbot's been doing it night in and night out, as Cam Talbot's done for, for the last couple of years in Edmonton. But that has got to drive your team and be like, we need to win for this guy. Of course. No, of course. If your goalies are saving your backs, you've got to step up and give him and repay him with a goal or five or a goal or six or whatever, as we saw when they just took it to Washington, a 4-1 to victory. Now, a couple of things on that, we'll move on. Um, I want to talk Pugliarby, Bouchard, Benning, and Cassian. We mentioned Cassian. Let's start with Cassian. Mm -hmm. Zach Cassian scored in Chicago. Good for Zach. Yeah. I'm a Cassian fan. Always have been. Always will be. Even when he broke Sam Gagne's jaw. <laughs> you know, because I like the grittiness. I, I like that side. But I'll tell you this. Mm. You have a Drake Kajula that's performing well. You have an Alex Chason that's performing well. To me, replacing a Cassian is, is easy. It is. You let him go to a team. He gets bottom six minutes. He's not a top six guy. He's going to get bottom six minutes. Maybe a Stanley Cup contender, whatever he goes to. You get a third round pick back or whatever it may be. They, Peter Shelley walks away. You don't call it a win. You don't call it a loss. Watch your hands of that. He moves on. Now, are you, first off, are you okay with that? Second off, are you okay with letting Cassian go? And then, same thing with Pooley Arby. Now, John Shannon said it best. And look, I'm not here to beat up on Pooley Arby. This is not what we do. And Pooley Arby's a great talent. He's going to be good. He's showing flashes of brilliance. I don't think he's there. I don't think he's there. Drake Kajula has outperformed him. Chase has outperformed him. And every, like, Ryan Strong's even outperformed him. He's had a couple good games as well. And to me, this is the way you got to teach a kid. Watch, let him watch from above, learn from his mistakes, learn from what's happening. He can see the game at a different level. Not just on the ice now, he sees it from his eyes, but he sees it from up top. I think he plays tomorrow. I think you get him in there, he plays. Now, who do you pull out? I don't. Cassie and Boston Boy? Um, but in my eyes, yes, he pulled is not ready. Now, here's, here's the other option. You can send him down. And I'm okay with that. Send him down. Let him play top six minutes. Let him perform. Let him tear it up. Let him build that confidence. Let him get better. Let him get stronger. Let him get faster. Let him get more physical in the corners. He comes back up. 
He's a more polished NHL player. He's ready. He's more confidence boosted now. He's he's more mature. And now maybe he's going to make David's wing of the future. Well, that's a lot of thoughts. Do you not agree? Do you do you disagree there? I agree with uh, as Barry jumps in. BS. You learn by doing. Barry, I agree with you on that, Barry. As uh oh, there's someone there's someone joining us in the background. People don't know who this is. This man right here. I'll get back to our point on, on Pooley Arena in a second. Here. This is our one of our contest winners, Josh McAllister, good friend of mine, a Welcome to the show, huge man. Boston you. Red Sox fan as and a wrestling fan as well. And a wrestling fan. There we go. <laughs> Over and under. Supporting supporting a Canadian wrestler though. That's good. Yes, he is. <laughs> one of my favorite Canadian wrestlers. Supporting the man yeah, known yeah. as Kevin Steen. <laughs> and anyway, to our point, we were saying about Pooley Arena. You know what? I agree with Barry and Cynthia. Yeah, send him down. I don't want to see Yessie. And that's what I said, box. though. I, I'm not condoning sitting him down, Barry, or sitting him there. But he needs to learn. But if you're going to sit him, send him down. And maybe Josh can chime in here. Mm -hmm. Send him down. Let him play. Let him develop. Let him turn into that top six guy that they ever so think he will be. And Connor McDavid's winger, potentially. But let him go. Let him go tear up the AHL. He needs to. Uh, Brad's right on that on that topic. When it comes to Yessi Puliyarvi, he needs to. Uh, he needs a little bit of that development time still. Yeah. And um, if the development time is sending him down to Bakersfield for a month, even, then yeah, let let him go down there. Let him tear up the AHL and let him uh, do his thing there to develop into the player he needs to be. Once he starts being a top uh, player there, then consider bringing him up. Start him. What second or third, second third line, and then move him up to the top line with Connor McDavid? Because because it, it does no good for him if you're putting him into the Oilers lineup. What good does it do putting him on the fourth line and playing ten it, minutes? It, it doesn't do him any good. He needs to. He's that type of guy. In order to flourish, in order to get better, mm -hmm. he needs to play twenty minutes a game. Yeah. But right now, with the way the Oilers are performing, and they're really, we talked about this. They're good right now. Yeah. The way they're performing, there's no way you put, there is no way you pull somebody out of that top six, say you got to sit because 98's coming in. There is no way. So he's either playing bottom six or he's not playing at all, and that's what's happening right now. So you send him to the AHL, plain and simple. To me, it's just once again, all management mishandling our prospects. Once again, yep. surprise, surprise. Yep. And the cycle has to end somehow, and some I, way. You know, and I don't blame Todd McClellan. I, I don't think I don't think Todd knows really what to do at this point. Like, because the team, I think, and we, Josh, we talked about this one when you were away, is the Oilers have exceeded expectations, I think, in the first month, barring their, barring their schedule and a couple of the yeah. afternoon matinees they've had and, yeah. and everything going on. 6-3-1, I don't know about you, but I didn't have them at six three one. I didn't have them uh, top in, <laughs> top of their division either. To be completely honest, and I mean, uh, you're right when when you say they have definitely exceeded expectations. I mean, they had they had a, a tough a tough home loss against Nashville. Mm -hmm. They turned that around and flipped it they back did. on Nashville a week later. They did. Um, they had a very strong uh, offensive game and a very good game against Washington as well, the defending cup champions. Yeah. And they showed them what it was like right. to play at Edmonton again. Yeah, they did. So, They've uh, they've definitely done things that mm, the start of the season we're kind of like really this yeah. is going to be the start of the season this is going to be a tough one, um, 
And I hate saying it too. They really, they really showed Boston how to how to, how to lose in Edmonton again, and again, well, me being a Boston person as well. So. You, you know what? And I think I'm I'm not making excuses here, but mm. but I think you you also at the old the old and to start, you got to really take into account the travel. They, yeah, of course. They, they were in, they were they were all overseas. Mm-hmm. They come back. They're still jet lagged. It's game two of the season. You look at the Winnipeg Jets right now. They're going through that. They're all the way in Finland yeah. right now, and it's. Game eleven or twelve of the year, and they're going to like I just don't. I would say it's it even, is what it is, whatever. But yeah, like the Oilers had also one of the weirdest starts of a schedule ever. Yeah, yes. they, they started. Yeah. They started on like I want to yeah. say the later side. They did start on the same time frame, but there was a week between their first game and yeah. their second game, yeah. and it was because of the time that they did over over in Europe, and mm. it was sure. that they they did their game against New Jersey, and then. They come back and then they start kind of like this, this, like, was it Eastern road trip back home? Yes. And then, granted, they're traveling as well to and from yeah. as well. Like, mm-hmm. there was that weird time where they had to go to, to Washington or to, to, sorry, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, yeah. And to get to Winnipeg, they had to go to Edmonton, mm-hmm. go to, I think, what was Minneapolis, yeah. and then drive up. Or North, North Dakota or something, yeah. Yeah, so it Somewhere was just, there, yeah. it was weird that they had to. Do whatever uh, they had to do to, to get to Winnipeg, and it just—it was too much travel. Yeah, it was too much travel that and, really and it and it takes a them. toll on your like it, it takes a toll on your mental game preparing for a game, preparing for a team, and it just it, it throws off a lot of things. So I think they're in the groove. They look. I don't see it. they're they're not gonna keep this. They're gonna lose. Like I'm, I'm you know they're they're going to lose eventually. They're, but you know it's to be expected. They're not gonna win the next seventy games. It's just not happening, but right now it's nice, and, and hopefully they can somewhat keep it up and, and maybe hold on to a playoff spot. Now, another guy I wanted to talk about, and this may get candid because I have my opinion, and you know this, uh, 83, Mr. Matt Benning. Yes. Uh, I love the local products. Look at this. I, I, I'm all about supporting Edmonton players, and he grew up in Spruce Grove, played for the Saints. Uh, my hometown watches our show once in a while. Watch, watch our show, so I, I'm not. I'm not, not, I'm not going to sit here and you know I, I got to watch my P's and Q's. But mm. even against Chicago guys, I don't know if either you watch that game, but blind passes in his own end, mm-hmm. turned it over three times on one shift. And what are you doing? Like I, I'm not. I, I'm my my leash is very short on that betting and. I, maybe it's me running out of patience, but what do we do with first off, Evan Bouchard needs to get sent down, and that's that's going to happen, I think. Yeah. But what what happens with Matt Benning? It's a tough call because Matt Benning a year and a half ago was a quality defense. I don't know what's happened from last year to now. Something's gone wrong with this game. Yeah. But I think Benning <laughs> may need some time to press box when you trip to Bakersfield because he needs a full reset in his game right now. He does. It could be an overconfidence thing too. It could just be that. He knew he was one one of the better defensive uh, men on right. the Edmonton roster last year, mm. and coming into it this year, being not not that like was it sec- first year second year rookie that he was. It's yeah, second year, yeah. It's a it's a uh, it's a it's a new step for him now that he's actually had his feet in the water of the NHL. He's right. going there like okay, cool. But uh, with those no look passes and giving it up, that's that's it's not. I hate to drift away from the map. Anything. It's it's almost an entire team thing. It's, You're right, yeah. though. You're I right. Still, no. I noticed it a lot at that <laughs> national <laughs> yeah, A lot yeah, of bad giveaways from be. that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, right. yeah if, if it's, it's, it's right. an overconfidence thing in, in my mind is what it is. No, I agree with that entirely. feel free to chime in on this, too. I know you're a major, major Oilers fan, so uh, feel free to chime in on Matt Benning. 
Um, you know, do you want to talk to to Josh? Maybe pedal back and and talk yes, about his Red of Sox. Course. And yeah, because yes, yeah, Josh. You know, you've been a big Red Sox fan for a Huge long time. So, and you know what? You Red Sox fans in the past what 15 years, you've experienced no pain. You have experienced oh, wow. titles. You're all spoiled. Not one, not two, not three, but four <laughs> times. You see, the Red Sox fans I knew growing up were all miserable because they didn't win Jack. Now well, you all win. A, a lot of the yeah, a lot, a lot of the Red Sox fans that are older than me, uh, that were probably fans before, definitely before I before I even started getting into baseball, mm-hmm. knew the uh, knew, knew knew the pain of the uh, of of the drought from the uh, mm-hmm. the curse of the Bambino. That's mm-hmm. right. From yeah. Babe Ruth going to New York, New York yep. getting those twenty one titles. That's and right. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Red Sox getting nothing in that time to turning it around to getting that uh the 2004-2005 season mm-hmm. getting their first title yep. having one of the biggest comebacks in alcs history mm-hmm. um to a few years later in 2007 getting to the world series again yep. sweeping their way through that one a couple years back 13 against the cardinals mm-hmm. and then uh well here we are now five years later and uh i don't know it was just there was a lot about this team that made me hopeful but at the same time at the beginning of the season going this team's not winning a World Series like I, I'm a confidence in the team yeah. but at the same time like looking at how the team was being put together and who they had they had a brand new manager under Alex Cora who's fresh off his own World Series title yes. with the Astros he was bench back coach for the back Astros mm-hmm. so uh, it was nice to see such a young and uh, powerful team had, that had so much chemistry and that had so much there was just so much about this team that I loved and that's just not being me being biased as a baseball fan yeah. or not, sorry as a Red Sox fan but as a baseball fan this team was phenomenal there was plenty plenty to see in. and they had really really tough opponents in the uh, in the Dodgers and Ooh. in the Astros uh, yeah I the Yankees the, the, gave the, the, them a little the, bit of issues but I'm sorry yeah. I hate the Yankees so let me let me ask you this uh, two part question okay. so first off what made you you know become a Red Sox fan what what was your drive behind that? And two, it being, you know, following the Red Sox for a long time and being a fan, is this the greatest Red Sox team in history? Um, well, a lot of my friends know I have a lot of family in Boston. Okay. I have a lot of family that comes from Boston. Okay. So um, my driving force behind that was um, me being a fan was the fact that they were a hometown team, but not yeah. for gotcha. me being here in Edmonton, obviously. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was I was one of those kids that didn't want to go with the whole Canadian gradient and be a Blue Jays fan and be a Blue Jays fan. I, feel you, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. As a Canadian, I do like the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. I do support them as a team. Uh, but for me, I gotta go with the rivals. I gotta go with the divisional rivals and go with that. <laughs> um, greatest team ever. I would. They won 119 games. They did. The World Series, and, right? and they did. They won the World yeah. Series. Um, but there's there's something about Pedro Martinez, mm-hmm. Ma- uh, Manny Ramirez, mm-hmm. David Ortiz, Big Poppy, like just that team. Yeah, they had guys. Yeah, there yeah. was plenty of them. Like Dustin Pedroia was still on that on that team yeah. as well. And he was on based on this team. Didn't get a whole lot due to injury this right. year, but he got to play there. But you got guys like Kevin Euclid, guys like Jason Veritek, right. back mm-hmm. in that 2004 yeah. to 2007 stint. Was David Ross, that David was. Ross he was not. No, he was oh, still. No, he was, Dave Roberts though was. Dave Roberts, right, yes, right, part of that team. Yeah, and Alex Cora, I believe, was as well. Alex Cora was as well part of that team. So there was there was a lot to that team. The, yeah. the, the, the team that took them out of the drought right. was was probably better than than this team just. Right. Just by talent-wise, okay. skill-wise, obviously the games change. The way mm. that they play is completely different, so it's really hard. It's really hard to gauge that. But um, overall, like I, I just think that this is probably 
out of all those four titles, the, the second best team that that's been produced. Let me get your thoughts on, you know, it, it was a it was a big World Series, and you know, they they the core so to speak was somewhat quiet, other than the last game that being Mookie Betts, uh-huh. uh, he was pretty quiet, and mm-hmm. then you had Not guys until the last game, yeah, yeah, until the World Series, of course, right, and you had guys like Steve Pierce really step up and and shine. I mean, what. What does that tell you about a guy like Steve Pierce that comes in from Toronto? <laughs> from Toronto, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and becomes the MVP of the World Series. Um, there were there was a lot of factors in this. It just shows how balanced and how well prepared Alex Cora put together as right. a team, in that he could put people, start them one game, yeah, and put them in as pinch hitters. That actually helped drive it. Like the, uh, yeah, the the Dodgers won Game Three. Mm-hmm. It was a That's very right. long yeah. game, an eighteen inning game. They basically played two games there. Yeah. Um, but when you looked at how Alex Cora built his lineups throughout all those games, was he put uh, Andrew Benintendi on the, on the bench for Game Three He's just to kind of see, man. put everybody through, <laughs> yeah. put guy. Well, they needed they needed JD Martinez. I mean, the guy hit uh, That's a big 40, guy 45, well, forty three to forty seven home runs this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of the one of the more dominant dominant hitters. Yeah. Um, so they needed him in the outfield, of course, yeah. and they didn't want to sacrifice a position player like Mitch Moreland or uh, Steve Pierce for J.D. Martinez to play first and then hold that core outfield, which was probably one of the better outfielders, outfield it, it teams was. Yeah, in the was. entire league. Yeah. Um, but you also had a, a team in the Dodgers that has a very good pitching rotation, a very good bullpen. They have mm. two of the best closers in the game in, in a and Pedro Baez and probably the the best close my opinion the best closer in the game Kenny Jansen right. yeah, so yeah, those are right. two guys that I feel kind of underachieved on their end like, and, and, I'll, I'll, and I'll get to the Dodgers here in a second because I have nothing but respect for the Dodgers yeah. because they've it's a, this is a team that is built by by Dave Roberts has a great staff he's got a great team behind him back to back World Series appearances fortunately not on top either te- either either, uh, right. either time but it still shows success in a team when you can make it to the World Series. Yeah, 100%. And they did, I think, the 163 games this year, too. They had to do their tiebreaker yeah, to, right. to get in yeah. there as well. So a team yeah. that played more regular season games mm-hmm. and then got to the World Series against a very heavily offensive Milwaukee team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that one was, of my that was going in. My, fa- my favorite series. And in the yeah. postseason, too, of course, there was one guy who everybody knew had been struggling the entire time, David Price. It was right there, the postseason record, 0-9. Couldn't get it done in Toronto in the postseason. Couldn't get it done in Tampa Bay. Even when that team Detroit. went to the World Series. Before. Yeah, like it was just a giant goat. And to see David Price finally shake the monkey off his back and, get and win in like the postseason. I'm sure that felt it great was... for you being a Red Sox fan. I mean, it was it was nice for him. It was nice for him to do it and turn things around. Um, but with, with David Price, he's still there's still a lot that he needs to work on for yeah. uh, for for postseason. I mean, yeah, he got the win. Uh, it helped that he had a heavily offensive team that mm. was taking yeah. advantage of a struggling That's bullpen right. from yeah. from uh, from LA. Of course. But on the flip side of that, he pitched phenomenal in Game Two. Then he, he comes in and pitches phenomenally out of the bullpen, which is something he's been uh, advantageous of in the playoffs when he was yeah. playing with the uh, with the Blue Jays a couple years ago. Mm. Had his rough start in the playoffs on those first games, but they used him as a reliever in the later games, and he was lights out all the time. So, David Price is a good pitcher. I again, nothing but respect for the guy. He's a very good pitcher in, in his game, but he's almost like a Clayton Kershaw, where it's like he excels in the regular season, he's but when Nick it comes Bitten to postseason, you, you, yeah. you take a trip. 
Yeah. And uh, in that regard, I mean, like, it's um, Clayton Kershaw in a way as well, one of the best pitchers in, in the league. And he yeah. had probably a rougher World Series this year than he did last year. But my opinion on that is only because um, it was a li- fell a little bit on Dave Roberts. He mm-hmm. probably could have relieved him a little bit earlier on, on all of his well, games. Well, you look at the Rich Hill thing, too. I mean, And the Rich Hill thing, too. Like, 91, you, threw, you pull him right. It's... There, were, there was a lot of things that, that the Dodgers did wrong that the Red Sox took advantage of to win this World Series. <laughs> right. A lot. Yeah. And it was a bullpen. It was a struggling bullpen, a struggling pitching unit for the Dodgers. And it was... That's just what ended up costing the Dodgers the World Series this year. And they yeah. had a very good chance at winning it again this they year. They did. Or winning it this year instead of last year. Exactly. So. I mean, imagine it's an inning game now. Put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's in L.A., Josh. Could you have stayed for an 18-inning game, or would you have tapped out eventually? I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a playoff game. It's, it's, one of the, uh, it's one of the more important games yeah. as well, especially with it being game three. Your team's mm-hmm. down 2-0. If I'm a if I if I'm a if I'm a Dodgers fan in Dodger Stadium, I'm yeah. staying the whole time. Like, I mean, just me as a baseball fan. Absolutely. I, lo- I love the sport Absolutely. of baseball. I'm it's, there. I mean, like I'm gonna be there the whole time. I'm there the whole time. Uh, it doesn't matter if I paid for the tickets. It doesn't matter if I'd been there for, for my team. Mm-hmm. If, if 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 you're a fan of your team, you're gonna be there thick and thin. Yeah, you could. And come on, you paid the money for true. Well, paid atrociously amount of money, atrociously <laughs> high amount of money to get to get to that yeah. game. Yeah. But it's probably worth it when you get two games out of out of one ticket. That's right? true. So. For a thousand dollars, day, I better get my money's worth. Because <laughs> my goodness, I mean, my, my buddy paid four to go to uh, to go to game four. He's a Red Sox fan. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. It's worth it sometimes. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I spent a lot of money going to going to David Ortiz's retirement game when I went down there in 2016. How much did it cost you? Uh, seven fifty for the for the pair of tickets in the bleachers, but it was <laughs> but that was worth it for me. I got to go <laughs> see the franchise player retirement game. Due to family out there, I got to actually go to the entire series against the Jays. Mm. My the best best experience I've ever had being at Fenway Park for three games in a row instead of going for the one game and then going and see it again. So Of course. Um but uh, when it comes to postseason, I want to talk a little bit about the Dodgers. Yeah, well. go ahead. I mean, the Dodgers had a, had a very good season this year. They had a rough start, turned it around at the very end of the season to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then had their run to get to the World Series again to show them that they are a primetime team. They are still mm-hmm. a team not to mess around with. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of it was there was pitching woes. And it was a little bit of hitting woes, too. Um Guys like uh, Cody Bellinger could have had a, probably a better postseason, offensive wise. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this one on the, on the head again, but Clayton Kershaw, uh, he had a very long stance. He, in fact, I think he play, I think he pitched the most innings out of any starter that had, I, I that had been right. in the postseason yeah, that entire the entire uh, uh, postseason at all. And it was because Dave Roberts keeping him in for seven to eight innings mm-hmm. a game, and that that's a different strategy. To postseason yeah. pitching because normally you don't do a you don't yeah. take a regular season approach to uh, to uh, playoff to playoff games to playoff games exactly game. or even World Series yeah. games in general as well. Yeah. I mean, look at that. They had Chris Sale come in and pitch the bottom of the ninth. Exactly. Normally, people go, "Oh, it's Joe Kelly or it's Craig Kimbrell," mm-hmm. but with Craig Kimbrell giving everybody the heart attacks, uh, <laughs> <laughs> me being one of them. Yeah, uh, going on to a guy like too. Chris Sale was mm-hmm. was a big move, and it was what they needed to do. Yeah. But keeping Clayton Kershaw in. On games, whether you were winning or losing, I felt they they have they have a good enough bullpen and they have a good enough pitching rotation. Yeah. And a twenty four year old Walker Bueller, right? Like that kid's my age, <laughs> and yeah. he's one of the 
like he's got velocity, he's got heat. He pitched he in the pitch. World Series this and pitched in the World Series. Not not only that too, but there was actually a picture that I saw on Instagram yesterday. It was Walker Bueller with a picture of his sister at Dodger Stadium. Wasn't playing for the Dodgers, but was there during those games. And a year later, was pitching Game Three. And funny how things work out, series. eh? Yeah, <laughs> funny how those how that stuff works out, but. Um, they had guys like him, mm. and they could have used that. Like, you look at the Red Sox, and, yeah, they would put their starters in for the first three, four innings, depending on when they kind of started falling off or when they started really producing hits and walking more base or getting more base runners on. They needed to shut them down, and that was really what saved them was their bullpen. A little shaky at the very beginning of the postseason, but turned it around really quickly mm. and showed that they were going to be that dominant yeah. team in baseball. And I feel like that's something that maybe Dave Roberts missed a little bit on when it came to pitching and controlling uh, controlling the game better is that you're at home like yeah. it's it, it's tough you gotta you gotta show your fans you gotta show of course and I mean that the 18 inning game didn't really help anything like Nathan Avaldi was supposed to pitch game was supposed to pitch game four yeah. didn't sure. it didn't go in until uh, well he pitched in relief pitched for the entire game in, re- yeah. in relief yeah, essentially right. <laughs> for game three um, but I think that that was really, really where they missed the mark. Is that they have mm. plenty of they have plenty of good relievers over in uh, over in LA, and they used a lot of their starters in that eighteen inning game. Yep. They didn't take advantage of them throughout the uh, throughout the other games. No, and you mentioned that one pitcher who struggled mightily was a guy who's been their best cooler since it was Eric Gagne in in Kenley Jensen. Kenley Jensen. Seeing him struggle was jarring in that series. It was it, it was a little bad, and like I said, like Kenley Jensen's one of my favorite pitchers, and probably in my like I said in my opinion the best closer in the game. He's when he's on when he's when he's, when he's on, on, he's on when he's on he's on he's near unhittable. Mm-hmm. And for him to and the biggest difference between him and a guy like Craig Kimbrell is that Kimbrell will walk, he'll hit batters, he'll he'll load the bases. You barely see that with Kenley Jackson. You yeah. barely get if he's getting a, if he's getting hit on, he's getting a single or a home. Yeah. And then yeah, that's it's, where they it's kind a of deep go ball there. if he's going. Yeah, it's either so yeah. something shallow or it's deep. It's there's there's never any it doesn't Nothing really seem like there's any soft, soft contact with, with Kenley Jackson, but he's a strikeout pitcher, he's a very good pitcher in in his league and for him to struggle the way that he did, I mean, that didn't really help help the Dodgers out at all either. And that's that's really where the Red Sox took advantage of, was their bats turned on when they were supposed to turn on. Took advantage of uh, of just a poor pitching performance. No, exactly. And you know, it, it, it was funny, because in this postseason here, after the Red Sox kind of poked fun at Aaron Judge playing New York, New York, what are your thoughts on the Red Sox basically making that their rallying cry after Aaron Judge was blasting his boombox New York, New York, when the Yankees won? In the ALDS, only to end up losing to Boston. <laughs> well, that's that, that's something that actually that was a funny stat I read the other night as well. Uh, it was that before last night, mm-hmm. the Red Sox were six and zero when any team had poked fun at them, poked, took any shade at them. That's right. You had Aaron Judge blasting New York, New York out of Game Two of the uh, AL was ALDS. Yeah, You had Alex Bregman. Who love the guy? He's got one of the best Instagram accounts out there when it comes to like. Isn't it great? He's it's so fantastic. good, and I love it. I love his little like. Yeah, it's fantastic. Home run, home run stare. It's um, but he poked a little bit on Nate Evaldi because Nate Evaldi was supposed to start Game Three. Right. And before Game Three, he posts his little video of back to back to back dingers off of Nate Evaldi back when he was playing, I believe, in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, that they hit That's off right. of him, and yeah. that stirred the pot there. Um, the Dodgers did the exact same thing. Yeah. You had Aaron Judge who poked fun. They lost. You had Alex Bregman who poked fun. They lost. Well, the 
Dodgers can blame their uh, their uh, was it their uh, Twitter? I believe it's, it was it's their their, their Twitter people because after mm, game okay, three, yeah. Yeah. after game three, they let out the tweet: "Damage done." I call that. And it was never the same after that. They they shot they shot at the Red Sox and they threw some shade at the, the Red, Red Sox. Red Sox fired back. They and did. The damage done was a World Series title for the uh, Boston Red Sox in the end. So. Yep. So let, let me uh, let me switch gears mm-hmm. a little bit, and I want to talk about your other T-shirt, uh, your your, your <laughs> other your other passion, and that being wrestling. Uh, you know, we're all big wrestling fans here, and mm-hmm. me so I was more of the attitude era, the late you know the the early or the late '90s, early 2000s. And how did uh, how did your wrestling love come about, and, and where is it uh, today? Are you still as strong as you were back then? Or? I um I was kind of on and off when I was younger kind of in that early 2000s era as well, yeah. just kind of the end of the Attitude Era. Um, believe it or not, it was uh, CM Punk who got me back into oh, no into wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Like many, like <laughs> back in the uh, couple wow. years back. Yeah, got, oh, okay. got me back into it, got me into yeah. things and yeah. really uh, stirred, stirred the pot on that end. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that kind of got me on and off again, kind of watching again. And then some of the talents that they have coming up from yeah. the NXT and they introduced oh, NXT, NXT really mm-hmm. got me into it again and then seeing them move up like when when they brought up guys like Finn Balor when they brought up uh, people right. like Bailey, Sasha Banks all that it was yeah. uh, it was a very uh, really kind of added to the added to the talent pool it did um, I uh, now have I got access to the network I, I have it on my own in my own place so I'll yeah. watch NXT on like a weekly basis I'll watch the pay-per-views when I did I watched Evolution last night yeah mm. what do um, you think what do you think of that very interesting yeah. I thought yeah. it was definitely something the fans and that the company needed yeah, was that uh, was an all women's pay-per-view with their whole women's revolution starting up last year the year before building up to this they've really t- really turned the table on what on what it's the difference between being what they used to be called divas to being now women superstars. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's that's it's really what they needed. A few of the matches were a little lackluster, but it was great to see a lot of the old faces, girls like Trish Stratus, mm-hmm. Lita, yeah. um, even uh, some of the older, even older the Battle Royal, uh, the Battle Royal, Lundra like, Blaze. Blaze was in the uh, uh, Ivory. Battle, uh, Ivory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion, that Battle Royal. Molly though, Holly was in there. Molly yeah, Holly she was. was. There too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Battle Royal was a little lackluster. To be my my opinion on that, uh, coming down to Nia Jax, Ember Moon, great idea. Yeah, it was great, but to have uh, it just be okay, Nia is just gonna be Nia and just toss her over easily. Yeah, was kind of a yeah, a little bit of a, oh, everybody probably saw that one. Took the ear out of the room. I was kind of hoping that Ember Moon would pull what they needed to do, being the new newly called up NXT talent mm. uh, from the WrestleMania weekend after losing to Shayna Baszler. Um, Really, my match of the night was actually that Mae Young Classic uh, finale. And oh, my wow. second, my second one, wow. the close second was the opening match. Mm. Because yeah. you had a lot of history in that Lita, Trish, wow. and uh, Mickey James yeah. That's true. trio. Where yeah. Mickey James was part of the final matches for both of her opponents. Yes. And plus, right. Mickey James and uh, right. Trish Stratus had one of the best female WrestleMania matches from WrestleMania 22 mm-hmm. ever. So it was a lot of talent there. And I mean, Alexa Bliss was injured, so they had to put Alicia Fox in there, which unfortunate. But when you bring in someone like Ronda Rousey, who's used to being very rough in yeah, the ring, right. to bring in someone where she has to be very cautious, you're going to get injuries. She's already injured, I think my cousin told me, like two, three people already. Accidentally, of course. She's right. green. She's new. She doesn't know yeah. all the full safety precautions right. that need to go in there. And she'll learn. With, and she with, will. With her, yeah. And she will. And that's going to be something that's obviously going to come in within a, within a, a time frame. 
and apparently Nikki Bella and uh, Ronda Rousey were at the Performance Center all week leading really? up to Evolution, making sure that this match went on perfectly. No injuries, no no miscommunications, no nothing. No uh, no table mishaps like the, uh, <laughs> table, like, like like the uh, Charlotte, and, Charlotte and Becky, uh, and match, Becky Lynch. Yeah. The, uh, they missed the original table break and had to yeah. do it again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Though? I'll, I'll say this though about women's wrestling. I like the fact that WWE is now allowing them to have matches where they're involving tables and chairs and Hell ladders. Held. You didn't. You didn't even see that. That was, that that was a big step. Big step. You didn't even see, yeah, you didn't see extreme matches with women. It, it didn't. Ha- it didn't exist. They now just need to tag. They just need tag titles now. Yeah. yeah. And that that was a big thing that a lot of people wanted were tag titles. There were signs in the sides in the audience. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good tag teams out there. There's yeah. a lot of good combinations that they could still use that would be great. And they just need to take advantage of that because the women's wrestling market is starting to get so much better. And it is. It's only going to get better because the talents they have down in NXT are some of the best female uh, talents they've probably ever had. Yeah. And they do have a lot of good male talent down there as well. Like They have they have guys that um, that obviously have had prior stints before in WWE, mm-hmm. but never a full-time position. But there's a lot of good uh, talent that's, that's going to be coming up in the next year for WWE Absolutely. after SummerSlam, after, or sorry, after WrestleMania, and then leading up to SummerSlam. And you might even see a guy come up from, uh, from after a Survivor Series in November. Interesting. And now with, and with this event now, of course, the big issue is that, one, ticket sales were not that great because you saw the crowd was a bit dimmed. And two, promoting Crown Jewel during a women's event, I thought that was very lacking well, awareness, lacking tact. I was like, really? There was, there was a few things that I found kind of funny looking through uh, Evolution. One of them being that Michael Cole at one point sent both men, I mean women, down. A little, <laughs> it's a Michael Cole stuff. It's a Michael Cole stubble. Um... Promoting Crown Jewel is was very different, um, and especially some of the matches they were saying were happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know half those matches aren't happening. They just confirmed. I just got the alert while I was eating before this. Mm-hmm. John Cena is not going to be at Crown Jewel. Yeah, he's not going, and that was confirmed. That was like rumored or told, said what's going to happen like two weeks ago. Yeah. Daniel Bryan is already on the fence of not going. He's in a title match. Yeah, he's not going to be going. Um, it's a very controversial pay per view to be holding and to still keep doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are. Um, a lot of things with Crown Jewel that need to. I mean, they they pay money. They pay money to go down there. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, but for when it comes to still doing it, it's it's super controversial. That's that's the tough part there. Well, and, and you you're almost at the point is, look, money's king, mm-hmm. right? And Vince is getting however many million of dollars to do this, mm-hmm. and yeah, you look at it from a business standpoint, and hey. I get to expand my brand, I get to my superstar, but at the same point, does this affect my brand, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of a catch-22. I think if they were going to move it, they would have already moved it. They would have, 100%. When, when the whole, when the whole uh, political aspect came into mind with what was going on and a little bit of controversy, they, they would have immediately canceled it or rescheduled it for either another like country. Because yeah. they're really doing a lot to branch out in other countries. Yeah. I mean, they had uh, the Super Showdown down in Melbourne earlier. Which, yes. Um, yeah. And then to promote even more uh, Australian, they had an Australian win their May Young Classic. That's mm, right. That's um, right. They have, <laughs> they're trying to say, hey, guess what, Australia, we love you. <laughs> love oh, yeah. us back. That's right, um, yeah. But if Vince was, uh, if, if he was going to move Crown Jewel, he would have done it already. 
we're a week out. It's Friday. Yeah. Uh, it's this coming Friday. Guess what? Two pay-per-views in a week, right? When does that ever happen? Um, but it's uh, there's a lot of controversy going in going into this based on, and it's not even wrestling controversy though. It's all political. It's all political. And so to me, I think people are gonna. Pro- I think you'll see a lot of people say, I'm gonna, I, I, I think they'll to be in terms of network viewership. I think people are gonna bag not watch. I think people are gonna support and say, Vince, come on, something's bigger than wrestling. I think people are gonna back out. I think this will be their worst rated show in terms of TV numbers. I think personally. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna tune in just to kind of see what they have going on. Just because, like, some of the matches they have there are going to be pretty good. I'm looking forward to that DX Brothers of Destruction match. A bunch of old guys running around I'm the ring. It's always the best. I'm a big DX I'm just, fan. Put so the well. old guys in the ring. I'm just so torn about Shawn Michaels because I know, you know, most guys, in terms of retirement, he's away for a long time. Most guys don't say retire for eight years. But it's just like the way he left in 2010, the ending was perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this really prove now, seeing Shawn return eight years later at 53 years old? And now bald. <laughs> he's still. I mean, he, it's 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 all, it's all thing, it's all yeah. fan, it's all about fan involvement. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. when they moved on from the Attitude Era to the PG Era, mm-hmm. um, they lost a lot of their Attitude Era fans because of how they had to bring tone a lot of things down, yeah. kind of market to that younger the younger uh, crew. And I mean, obviously, a big part of of their whole marketing routine is the kids their involvement in charities and mm-hmm. child charities make a wish is a very big one with john cena being one of the biggest donors to make a wish yeah um right. and being one of the more um i guess influential guys on their roster but when you really look at um everything in that end it's it's uh they they're also trying to do what they can to uh incorporate and bring back some of those Attitude Era fans to say, guys, mm. guess what? Your favorite wrestler is that used to be around. They're <laughs> still doing it. They brought back Rey Mysterio again. They did. <laughs> again. Um, they're bringing back Shawn Michaels. They're bringing back like do you, everybody. Do you see guys at The Rock coming back? <sighs> they may bring The Rock back when Roman Reigns comes back, just as a big congratulations. Yep, they are family. When and if Roman Reigns. I mean, you know what? I mean, I, I really hope the best for Roman Reigns. That's a tough pill to swallow it's and it's a, it's a very big thing and I mean he's a strong guy he's a very he's a very talented guy too as much as we love and hate him former Edmonton times, Eskimo and former Edmonton Eskimo yep. and, yeah. um, as much as everyone loves to hate him and hates to love him yeah. um, I have a feeling he will be back 100% yeah. um, but I think the only time they'll bring The Rock back to, would be to promote something that they need to promote mm-hmm. you might see him for uh, an 35 you might WrestleMania yeah. 35 you might see him for WrestleMania 40 don't know when but they'll bring him in for like big things obviously exactly. he's not going to sign a small time contract no. he's not going to be back like for us for um what was that back in I think it was 2012 2013 when he had that return with CM Punk and mm-hmm. did those matches and reintroduced a new title new design to a title yeah. and did that where he did a quick little small time contract where he showed up for um was a TLC and then went all the way until WrestleMania to yeah. lose to John Cena and then disappeared after exactly. that. But and he came from back for, for the Rumble too in 2015. He interfered in the match when like, when, when Reigns won, oh, helped him lead the big show. Yeah. And I was supposed to it was supposed to have a feud between The Rock and Triple H, which didn't happen, which ended up being um, Kurt Angle against um, you, Triple H McMahon. You know what I think happens, and we talked we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. I think Batista comes back and fights Triple H. I mean that 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 was a big thing that came back, I, and that was and I I know where you're coming from on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had uh, Raw, what was it Raw 1000? Yeah. Or sorry, SmackDown, Smackdown 1000. 1000. Smackdown yeah. 1000, sorry, 
SmackDown 1000 uh, a couple weeks ago where they brought back Evolution. Mm -hmm. We got the entire Evolution crew back together, including yeah. Batista, which a lot of people are going, he's never going to be coming back. He's doing right. a movie star now. He's got Guardians of the Galaxy. He's got Avengers. He's got all these movie contracts he's working with. And for him to show up and even make an appearance and to be like, I'm one of the better, better wrestlers in the world. And then for Triple H to go, but you haven't beat me. That right there as well, clued into my head, oh, there's going to be a match here sometime in the future if he actually signs a wrestling contract, yeah. not just an appearance contract. Right. Because that was just an appearance contract, right? He's just there to show up, be there for the anniversary. We'll probably never see him again. Unless they finally talk to him and say, hey, man, take a little bit of time away from your filming. Can we do a match or two? Come in for and, and these contracts, they're going to be short, short-term, long-term. Of course. Yeah. Like... A big thing that I don't really know what they're going to handle there. I mean, and for Crown Jewel, I really hope this happens. I hope they give Braun Strowman the vacated title because if they give, um, because if they give um, uh, oh. Brock Lesnar the title again, what's that really go? What's that really going to do for the uh, for for them again? Like that's just yeah, showing. Right. Hey, guess what? We're having another because our because our top talents out with exactly. Leukemia. Let's go yeah. back and uh, and um, do a. Uh, do the um, uh, let's go back to what, what we know and just right. have a title on the side until he comes back. Right. Exactly. If they were if they were all about that, they would have done that when Finn Balor was out. They would have. They didn't. They moved on. They moved right. on to Kevin Owens. They moved on to right. uh, Goldberg. They moved on to Brock Lesnar. So um, the way that they're going to be doing this is it's it's it. My opinion, and I think the way it's going to go, it is going to go to Strowman because. He's, he's a talent. Yeah, it has to. You have yeah. to. Yeah. He's Strowman good with now. the kids. He's good in the ring. He's really developed from the time that he started. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. going to be getting it. That's the thing. Because if they go back to Lesnar, everyone's going to everyone's gonna forget about Roman Reigns. Because if you're not on TV, you're not going to be remembered. Yeah. yeah. And going back to Lesnar, like, what's really would be the point to give Lesnar another title run? There's, there's no point anymore at Brock. There the story's run its course with him. Mm -hmm. The only thing they would do would still be just to promote the the beast against the machine or the beast well, against the monster and apparently the beast uh, F5'd them today on Raw and I, I haven't really unfortunately been able to catch um, a lot of Raw today I, 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 was, I was reading something uh, <laughs> okay but yeah uh, apparently he came in and F5'd Braun Strowman and that's the start of that and I, I it, there, it has, there, it has there, to end at Crown Jewel though well yeah. there, there's talk Brock's not even going to go to the UFC anymore so does Brock now Brock and Strowman have a bigger feud does something else happen with Brock Lesnar? Maybe Brock Lesnar and Triple H, maybe? Maybe Brock Lesnar just goes back to Saskatchewan and just stays in his Back farm. to his, back and to where he wants to be. In the middle of nowhere. Because he's a very introverted guy. He doesn't like to be out. Like, when no. he makes appearances, he'll make appearances. He doesn't do a lot of fan interaction. One mm -hmm. of the reasons why he moved to Saskatchewan is to be away from everything. Yeah. To stay in, just secluded. He doesn't yeah. like people. No, because he no, doesn't like people. Because no, he's no, in Bush, like he's in nowhere Saskatchewan. But I, I think, <laughs> but the only thing that I can see him going back to the UFC would be for that Daniel Cormier fight. Yeah. Daniel Cormier called him out. John Jones even called him out. Yeah. But John Jones isn't anywhere close to that. My, to my knowledge, nowhere close to come back to the UFC. UFC's well, running around and, right uh, now. Yeah. He, he signed a deal. He's fighting. That's good. Alexander Gustafson. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's January. completely forgot about that December, one. I forgot yeah. about that one. So. Um, but that's the thing is. Like, you look at some of their big UFC talent, they're, like, something's going on with the UFC right now that I don't know what's going on. Like, Demetrius Johnson is apparently not in the UFC anymore. He's now with this he one... Traded. Yeah, with the, a traded. trade. Yeah. A trade. For Ben Askren. Yeah. To, like, this one... But it's 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 a, it's apparently, like, a sub a sub company. In a way, yeah. like that, in, yeah. in a way, because their titles are very similar. Mm -hmm. But for, for them to move one of their best, if not their best, fighter that they've ever had mm -hmm. to a completely different company 
is just I, I don't know what's really going on with that. No, but, no one really does. And um, right, and just waiting on the on the word about um, Khabib and Connor because there's no word for for word there's yet. There's still a lot of stuff with that controversy. <laughs> well, I'm mean, seeing Khabib and GSP and Khabib and Floyd Mayweather and there's a lot of yeah. things because Khabib's going on saying he's the best fighter in the world now and Khabib just needs to that draws flags on Mayweather's side where he's like no no no. no. You're I'm 15 and 0. Stretch him out. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's 51 and 0. He beat the big show at WrestleMania. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot about that match. But he had my knockout. That's right. Good old little shirt of the head. And his entourage jumping the big show halfway through the match. There had to be a winner. There was no count out, no disqualification. That was right. How it worked out that time. So. Yeah, you know what you do? Let's see. NFL and CFL first. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we'll do a mention. Of course, unfortunately, now, neither now NFL, neither of us are Patriot fans like you are. I'm a Green Bay guy. Yeah. This guy's a Broncos fan, hey, and you're sitting. That's a Broncos fan, so I have respect for the Broncos. John Elway, man. John Elway, man. And you're I sitting like here as a Patriots fan. Now, what are your thoughts on this team right now? I know when I saw the score last night, nine three New England against Buffalo, mm-hmm. and Tom Brady, the quarterback. I'm watching. I saw a stat. He's thrown for 14 touchdown passes in Buffalo. More than any current Buffalo Bills quarterback has ever thrown, which to me is like wow. He also, he also laid a block. He also laid a block today for Julian Edelman. Nineteen seasons in, laid a, laid, laid a block. He got he got laid out. He got put on his he got put put on his butt. Tom Brady back. throwing block like. But he's still a uh, well. He's the thing about it is the Patriots are eighteen to twelve uh, New England right now. They're they're starting to really mm-hmm. tone it down a bit. They're not really becoming that dominant team that they used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is a lot of their moves, but it's because it's, it's a shift in it's it's it's, it's a shift. Right? Yeah, and it is. The winds are changing. They need to find a way to prepare for for the Brady era to end because you know what? Twenty seasons will be next year. Yeah. And I don't know how many how many more seasons. He wants to go to at least forty five, almost fifty, but I don't I think his body's gonna let him do that. Like I, I was telling Brad He'll be he'll be kicking like Adam Vinatieri. Yeah, like I told time. like I told Brad in the NFL almost 100 years old and there have been three quarterbacks in league history to ever play at 45 years old in 100 seasons three quarterbacks at 45 like mm-hmm. that is maybe the hardest thing to do in the league and I mean he has the potential to do it I mean he's <laughs> he's um, I can't say he's young but he, uh, <laughs> he's, he's one of the older guys to play but he still has some talent too he needs a lot of support if he's gonna if he's gonna want to do that though mm-hmm. there's gonna be a lot of support he needs from his team from his line um, that's really what's gonna keep him on there because as he gets older, he's going to be a little, probably a little bit more concussion prone, yeah. probably a little yeah. bit more injury prone. Right. That's just what happens when it comes comes with age. Your body's going to be more more brittle, especially in a hard contact any sport mm. that isn't really as hard contacting as it used to be yeah. in the NFL. But um, that controversy got put over in what week four after Clay Thomas hit like five guys and got. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So. Yeah. So he just uh, too many uh, too many too many hits to quarterbacks. But um, obviously they're trying to protect they're trying to protect their uh, their investments the the NFL PA. So um, there's a possibility that with the way that the NFL is going, Tom Brady does have a good chance to play till he's a lot older. And, we'll see. Uh, 65. 65. <laughs> 65. When uh, he'll be uh, he will definitely for sure be putting diapers on uh, on the uh, Packers next next week. Well, we'll we'll see about that. You know, don't get me started on that. Wait a minute, Green Bay don't, just about beat the Rams. Huh? You know, yeah, they should have. Green Bay is. If yeah. if Ty Montgomery listens to literally every person telling him, take a knee, do not run this football out, 
they win this game. Clay it's, Matthews. I miss it. Clay Thompson accidentally. Clay, I mean, Clay Matthews. Two's athlete now. Clay but, Thompson. But that, now Clay Thompson, by the way, just hit 14 <laughs> threes. 14 threes, and he just set an NBA record. It's insane. The other Clay. The other Clay. The other Clay I'm thinking of right now. That's what was on my head when I said that. You know, you got to think. You got to look at Green Bay, though, too. That's another team aging. That's another team that's mm-hmm. their their time is not quite over, but it's coming to the end of the line. Aaron Rodgers is getting older. Aaron He's a little bit older. beat up now. Mm-hmm. Clay Matthews there. You know, Ty Montgomery and Randall Cobb. Lord knows when he's going to be back. You know, so it's a changing of the guard here we're seeing in the NFL, I think, in the next couple of years. There's going to be there's gonna mm-hmm. be a lot of teams that were not very good. I mean, the Rams being one of them. Uh, a team that was not very good a few years ago that's going to be mm-hmm. very dominant this yes. year. I mean, Kansas City is a team that was dominant throughout Patrick the years. Patrick Mahomes, man. But I love Mahomes. <laughs> as soon as you get to the playoffs, it's where they it's fall off. Beast, it's Brad. where they fall off. Yep. It's a different beast. It's not even a beast, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I, guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess. They're good until the playoffs, that's and then right. they drop off after that. Yeah, Casey hasn't won a playoff game, and I believe it's 25 years. Yeah, and then you got um, <laughs> you have the Broncos, who won Super Bowl 50, mm-hmm. yeah. but as soon as that happened, dropped off the map. Was, Obviously, yeah. Peyton Manning retiring was a really big benefactor on, well, it's a big factor, not benefactor, but it's a big factor in, right. in that mind. But, um, and then having quarterback issues. Yeah. That was that's You're telling me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then there's uh like realistically, like I don't really know any other teams that would be really picking up a lot. Like you said, like I think Green Minnesota's, Bay's be falling off. Good. Minnesota's, Minnesota's coming up good. a bit. They had a mm-hmm. they had a I think they have a tough loss last night against the Saints. They did, yeah. They had a tough loss against the Saints last night. But um Man, Drew Brees is still really I know that. He's getting old, too. That's time there. Yeah. Yeah. Drew, Brees, Brady, Drew, Brees, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I give them a few more years before all three of them are calling it a, calling it a season. No. Calling it a career. I, I would now, What do you that. do in New England? you got no backup plan behind Tom Brady. What are you, what are you doing? The answer isn't Brian Hoyer. The answer is not <laughs> Brian Hoyer. I agree. You had Jimmy G in that. They had Jimmy G and they sent him out. Um, and now he's out for the season. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're geniuses. <laughs> the guys in New England are geniuses. They foresaw the ACL. This, this kid's going to be really good until next year when he just destroys his ACL. They foresaw the ACL tear. Yeah, 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 <laughs> just destroy his ACL. He'll be gone all season. Tell, tell him that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know really what they're going to do. Um, I would Did be... Brian Belichick come in and play quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, I think as soon as Brady retires, Belichick's gone too. That's going to be their thing there. They're going to need somebody. And honestly, I would love to see... A guy like Josh McDaniels may even take a step up to step, step up to head coach. I think he will. I think when uh, I mean, I mean the guy the guy signed a guy signed a deal with the Colts for a day. I <laughs> said a bye. Few hours and peace. then see ya. Um, <laughs> but you see like the uh, you see members of uh, Belichick's staff moving up. I mean you had uh, you had the the defensive coordinator now go to the uh, oh Patricia yeah, yeah Matt Patricia Matt Patricia went to mm-hmm. the uh, went to the, the Lions. Lions and beat. The Patriots, yeah. his first game yeah. against against New England, um, but I think Josh McDaniels, after his after his quick stints over in Denver, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be coming. Is going to probably stay with the Patriots until uh, until uh, Belichick does call it a career, and then he'll probably move up into that head coaching position. He has some head coaching uh, experience, yeah. he does. and yeah. now that he's been under again, brought under the wing of one of the better head coaches in in the league, he's going to be a better head coach. And he's going to move on. And what they'll need to look at, though, is how are they going to make Josh McDaniels a Bill Belichick? And how are they going to make any quarterback a Tom Brady? That's really where their thing's going to be. Like, they do have very, very in, good yeah. defensive players still. But um, that's, been, that's been the key. 
to their entire team for so many years and behind. I've lost count how many Super Bowl wins in the last year because they <laughs> win so many of them. Yeah, so. right. yeah, they have. But there was one team, though, that I, I still think will be the base pretenders, and that's Cincinnati. I know they're playing well, but I'm just waiting for it. Like, you guys are going to find a way to laughably blow this season. Well, I, I Every think, year happens with the Bears. I think Joe Mixon <laughs> starting to become the player they thought he would be. Uh, A.J. Green's obviously A.J. Green. A.J. Green's uh, always been good. And mm-hmm. Andy Dalton's starting to, you know, be that not, not quite elite quarterback, but be that yeah. quarterback they can rely on. Uh, Tyler Boyd's come out of nowhere and really, mm-hmm. really surprised a lot of people. So, uh, I, you never know, right? I, I think Cincinnati could have a good run, and we'll see. Um, CFL. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 missed yeah. the playoffs. You know what? As someone who's covered this team for nine years, that this has been by far the most disappointing I'm season. Worried, yet. I agree. I agree. Disappointing. Uh, is this the end of Mike Riley? He's a free agent, so free agent. it could be. Does he I, go to BC? I don't know where Mike Riley would end up. I feel like he's been—he's definitely, obviously, been one of the big key players to uh, to the Edmonton Eskimos' success mm. over the last few years. Um, I don't see a reason for him to stay, but I also don't see a reason for him, for him, to, for him to leave. Um, the the Eskimos had a, not the best season that they've had in recent years, and a lot of hope was they started off good. They did. They started they off did. very good, but they also there was a lot of hope around around this team with them being a host of the Grey Cup this year right. uh, mm. that they would do what they could to push for a playoff for for, for a playoff push to give right. not just a, a Grey Cup game to the city of Edmonton, but some prior playoff games before that try and get that home mm-hmm. field advantage to get as many playoff games at Brickfield there as they could but yeah. unfortunately for them came a little too close Winnipeg pulled off their win last week and secured their uh, secured their uh, their playoff homes yep so now the season finale is, is going to be for nothing really as they if they win they'll become the first 9-1 team to miss the playoffs in the CFL in 23 years yeah and there's and yeah. even, even it's with, all about the, the beer and the hot dogs and the Puckers next week or this weekend. It could be a gong show because looking online, like there are fans who are calling for the firing of Jason Moss, Mike Benavides, Brock Sunderland, and Len Rose. Like fans I, want the uh, full house cleaning. I tell you, I, I you know what? It's is it time? Is it Len Rhodes at the end of his road? No pun intended. Maybe. Um, I think they need to give Jason Moss another year. This is a guy who's had an off year, on year, off year. He's had, he's been back and forth. He has. His first year was, however it went, his second year was very good. Mm. This last year was a little tougher on that end, too. His play calling this year scared me a little bit, though. A little bit, It yes. did. Yes. I'm not going to lie, I didn't really follow the Eskimos too much this year because after they started kind of falling off, I was like, okay, right off. The Red Sox started playing <laughs> well. Yeah. I started watching the Red Sox yeah, a little bit more, yeah, yeah. so... Uh, when it came to CFL, mm-hmm. I was more kind of focused on like how good was this Eskimos team going to be this year, yeah, and what was their potential to get to make a Great Cup appearance or even a playoff appearance. And then once that went down the drain last week, it was kind of a kind of you know, them off. They had all the tools in the tool shed with Mike Riley, the MOP, mm-hmm. um, Duke Williams, you know, um, Darrell Walker, CJ Gable was there. They had all the tools to do something. Yeah. That secondary was questionable. That was my only concern was the defense and their secondary. We've seen it in week one, week two, and week three. Early on, they struggled. And they never really picked up momentum from there, that defense. And I think that caught up to them. It did. Uh, the offense can only do so much. Well, the, the, offense, the offense has always been very, like, from what, I, from what I've watched it, from what I've seen it, the offensive line for, the offensive line in general is, for Edmonton is, always been super questionable. 
Yeah. Uh, their offense was always good, but I mean, obviously, with the Darius Bowman leaving uh, yeah. in, in the past years here, uh, they've really lost. They've dropped off too much on their offensive potential, but they still have a lot of offensive potential. Well, and then the hole with Brandon Zilstra gone as well. He's not missing a Viking. Yeah. 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 So there's uh, there was a lot of things that that didn't go right for the for the Eskimos this year, and it showed. Yeah. And I mean, the fans can call for what they want, and it's unfortunately not up to them what happens to this team. No. But uh, they need no. to do what they need to do to turn this team around. If it was up to them, they'd be a tire fire. Oh, if the, <laughs> <laughs> the Brickfield wouldn't even be hosting everybody <laughs> come this year. Right. You'd be doing it at Clark next door. Well, right. Exactly. Yeah. On the indoor field. Yeah. No, but you know, so. I'll, I'll wrap things up. I do want to say that Ed, seeing Ed Hervey, if he were to win a Great Cup this year. In Edmonton, in Commonwealth, I feel good for him because How sweet I. would that be? I still feel interview is done wrong in the like to me, a, ge- a general manager who turns the team around and who puts on a winning product on the field, to me has a job that is secure. He it should not he, his issues to me his his job to me is to build a winning team. His tasks are not fan are not uh, entertainment at halftime or trying to get fans and well, things around football. Well, what really. happened, Avery was. It was more of an upper management, but upper management and him didn't see eye to eye. Exactly. And because he didn't see the bigger picture, well, so you got to go, it's your time's up. And they brought in, basically, a guy that would buy into their system, mm. and it hasn't really worked, so. No, it has not. It has not. And Brad? Right. you right on that. Yeah. Before we wrap things up, we don't do some trivia. Hey, I, hey, come on, gang. Answer a trivia question. No one answered a question last week. So we'll do it again. So no one gets a free dinner, so I'm eating yeah. a dinner this week. It's free dinner at Holly's Club. I ate. It was good. Yeah, see, Josh is here. Josh can vouch for this beautiful venue, too. Yes. It's, it's very absolutely nice. gorgeous. It's amazing. Um, again, thank you to Shaq, Raymond, and Dave for, for hooking us up at Holly's Club and, and Match for, for feeding us prior to. Uh, thank you guys so much for all you do. And, of course, the fans for keeping us alive. Uh, 26 episodes and going strong. So thank you guys. Yes, sir. And of uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on today. It was uh, a little bit of a surprise when Avery messaged <laughs> me over Twitter going, hey, man, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of baseball this uh, this week. Do you want to make an appearance on the Brad and Avery Hour? And I was like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll do it there. So I want to thank both of you guys for having me. I also as well want to thank Match as well for having me here as mm. well for the meal beforehand. Yes. Uh, one of the reasons why I was late, later, they told me 8.30, I show up at 8.20, and they've already started. So... <laughs> A little bit proactive there. Well, but that's how it works there, so. I was told 8.30, Avery. That's why I showed up a little bit <laughs> late to everything. A bit early than late. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, it was a pleasure having you. It was nice meeting you too, Brad. Yes, sir. And again, thanks for having me on here. Of course, Josh. Uh, it was awesome to uh, be able to talk sports. And I mean, I'm, I have I pick and choose really where I like to have my professional opinion on sports. But I mean, I was able to talk to you guys. And it was good. And awesome. Of course. I'm glad you, you liked it, man. It was awesome. Glad you come down. Thank you. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap things up. Wrap it up. For Brian Bartko, Josh McAllister, I'm Avery Lewis McDougall. The Brian Avery Hour is over until next week. See y'all later. Later.